0: So earlier I started with the salutation, which is the uh, sort of setting an atmosphere for how you enter a holy place, how you enter a sacred place, how you make the sacred place, how you begin to internalize it. Yeah. And so this is not a matter of focusing on sensations, because sensations are not holy places. Holy places are about aspirations, energies, uh, openness of heart groundedness feeling safe feeling welcome that's what they're about um <laughs> you know so and this is very important because this is a more fundamental reality than than sensations which are you know <laughs> not really too much of a most of the time not too much of a big deal um and so i think one of the beauties of well being at home is you can feel you know you're in your own comfort comfortable known place um, but then also to be aware that you don't want to just go into a mundane, um, you know, casual mode. So it's a certain brightening up, rising up within that, and using this very puja form, chanting, bringing the voice forth, uh, saying salutations. These are not casual, casual experiences. Um, they're, they're they're resonant and uh universal experiences. They're not related to anybody's home or circumstance, they're they're transcendent. Um, and this is the uh the foundation really that we that we stand upon in practice, the entering the transcendent, entering the sacred. Mm-hmm. And then you you know you contemplate or you work with your daily circumstances from that particular perspective, you know. The Buddhist perspective was, if you like The four Devadutas, which means the four heavenly messages, means old age, sickness, death, and the holy one. Remember the last one. So these are not about anybody's specific circumstances. They're about everybody's uh, potential. Uh, Some of them are potential of the mortal form. The the last one is the potential of the heart for awakening, for purity, for clarity. Um, However, that frames up for you, how do you feel for that, um, Yeah, uh, um, and just to realise this is very fundamental, you know, that we all have in common, somewhere beneath all our concerns, they all come down to, you know, baseline, how do I bring forth what's most beautiful uh, in myself, you know, we've been gifted a life, how do you bring forth what's truly wonderful, and... Uh, and bright, and there is something. Um, how do you get free from you know things you regret and, and feel sad about? How do you get free from regret and and guilt? How do you get free from obsession? How do you get free from you know addictive habits and you know bad mind states uh, mess things up? Mm-hmm. And so and this cry of the heart to find get get me clear, clear. me free (laughs) and how does this all get in here (laughs) and so the theme of clearing the flaws is we get saturated (laughs) we're very um, permeable we look like we're kind of separate entities with nice clear boundaries but actually in terms of the heart we're not we're totally permeable Uh, and the (laughs) unaware person acts as if they're impermeable and they can just Kind of crashing around, uh, and what they say doesn't count, and what it doesn't, you know, because they're, they're impermeable. The wise one recognizes they are permeable, therefore, they're, they're selective about what they open up to, um, and they also recognize they've been saturated and they need to discard or clear out, that are no longer necessary or helpful, or, or in fact, degrading. Mm-hmm. And so, this is the, called bhavana, the cultivation to both protect oneself from the unnecessary, unskillful, uh, ignoble, degrading and to maintain, um, you know, distinct separation from that and then to bond to what's truly bright and to stay with it. These are the four right efforts mm-hmm. clearing. But we have been flooded and the floods come to three levels. Most superficial is just flooded by sense data, yeah, um, which seems to be the main thing, you know, and in particularly in our uh, current age where you can be deluged by media information, yeah, uh, which uh, from all, all channels, twenty four hours a day, um, and the intensity of that increases, uh, um, you know, particularly through the public media. Yeah. So the, the 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 intensity of it. Uh, so uh, I mean, when I was young, we didn't have a television set. The first television we set, set we had was nine inches, nine inch square, little thing with occasional black and white image on it, one channel occasionally. <laughs> a sober voice, somebody with a suit and tie, reading the news. <laughs> And now you've got i don't know how many television channels and internet stuff just banging away and music crashing in and you, even the weather report is stimulating you know with noise and music and magical things happening uh, so it's in, intensely stimulated saturation uh, and of course as people get numbed out by that they just increase the stimulation they increase the volume to make it come get in so certainly this is a big effect and you know, in a retreat situation, one of the blessings is to just be able to switch it off, you know, uh, and to switch it off mm. or to turn it down.
1: Mm.
0: And for some people, that, that, that sometimes that is difficult because you begin to realize there's a certain addictive effect. All that stimulation ramps up your nervous system and it, it starts to, you know, feel funny if you're not getting stimulated. It sags, it goes dysfunctional. Uh, I remember reading an article of a, of a woman who was, you know, looking at meditation or thinking about meditation, and she said so the idea of not having her phone on for ten minutes was like, you know, six hundred seconds. That's a bit serious, isn't it? I mean, maybe three seconds, but not six hundred of no stimulation. Uh, you know, she hadn't had that amount of unstimulated time, so. her, her Mind was bonded to that that level of input, you know, to keep going, uh, and on a, on a which is, to my mind, just astonishing. I don't think I could I couldn't manage having that amount of stimulation. Well, you can, but and clearly, sometimes people they come to monasteries; it's it's too quiet. You know, they can't sleep because it's too quiet. You know, because the system, you begin to recognize this, even the sensory level, isn't just it washes over and passes. No, it doesn't wash over and passes. It washes over and it sets, resets your nervous system, resets what your mind is geared to. And if you don't get that, you start to feel, you know, disoriented. So this floods, this is a powerful experience, being flooded. And a wise person... Realizes, you know, you just got to keep disciplining to moderate that level, because essentially we lose um, autonomy. We become hooked. We lose autonomy. Right? You can't operate without it. You you belong to it, and you belong to whatever comes in. Which is a very, uh, particularly with media, is a very uh, uh, unfortunate situation to be in. I mean, what's going to come in? It's not going to be all cheerful awakening news. Is it? it's going to be politics, persuasion, indoctrination, consumer stuff coming in? Yeah, mm. content. Mm. So, you know, really using a retreat to make determined effort to reset input so and like every other kind of addiction whereas your mind does get cleaner and you know as it gets less you know less hooked up to that you start to feel really bright and balanced and grounded and you regain your autonomy in in in, to that degree Now, not only loss of autonomy, we lose receptivity because we're so busy, so saturated, we can't notice anything other than what we're saturated with. You know? mm. um. The mind loses that open wonder and agility to notice subtler things. Uh, to just feel its own agility and sensitivity. Yeah. Mm. So we lose receptivity to, even to sense data. You know, we have certain things we notice in accordance with the time of day. This is the food, the drink, the keys, the car, the, t- the door, the shower, and rest of it gone. Yeah. And we lose receptivity to other people. I say hi, hi, yeah, hi, yeah, good, yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, and we lose receptivity to ourselves. You don't listen to yourself fully. And can you imagine? You know, the, the loss of having spent a considerable amount of your life not listening to yourself, not being receptive to yourself, never really having lived here but skated along a certain track because we've been herded, programmed and we've participated in that thinking it was going to make life happier, we were going to the successful places, the progressive places, the place where everybody else goes, the place where it's fun. Where you meet people, we go into that place, is what it says, so we go that way. So we get programmed into that. Uh, you know, and we lose the receptivity to other things, other qualities. And most of all, we lose receptivity to the deathless, to liberation, to the unconditioned. To qualities such as contentment, equanimity, dispassion, ease, uh, self-respect, <laughs> <laughs> uh, being able to just sit and feel feel warm-hearted, yeah, to oneself. So in a way, you don't. When we lose receptivity to ourselves, we don't really attend properly to what's needed. We don't attend. We can't brush over. You know, the bruises or the minor hurts or the dull patches or the inner voice that's saying, oh no, oh no, oh no. And you, you just keep brushing over it because there's something else to be doing. Mm. Yeah. This is a flood. Uh, it sweeps us away. And this is the se- just even the sensory level of flooding. But there's another level, the level of uh, karma. We get flooded by our habits, in the way the two are involved. Uh, we get programmed and flooded by memories and by habits. So, um, regrets and uh, histories and unresolved business, you might say, a colloquial expression. You know, things that have happened to us or things that we've done which we haven't really completely resolved, or cleared, or come to terms with, or even learned from properly fully integrated and learned from yeah. and so we, we, get, we just get bunged up, clogged and uh, the uh, result of that is when your heart, your chitta is clogged, you don't really want to go there it's untidy so we, we we tend to not deal with what should be dealt with because it just seems so so congested and uh, messy and it's in the past it doesn't matter so this flood of karma also has to be understood and cleared and it can be cleared you don't have to go through every deen, everything you've done there's a particular skill of dhamma yeah skill of Dhamma practice is not about counting, it's about really liberating primary qualities of uh, the past, regret, self, sense of self and uh, how we relate to, rather, this um, uh, karma, cause and effect. I want to talk about that more. The last level of it is um, disposition we're flooded because the unawakened being has a default mechanism or default program we're born with a, a wish to get flooded <laughs> yeah getting bored means let me get into let me get into the into the mix yeah uh, because Either I need to, or it's fun, or, or something or like the other. Yeah. There's a very irrational but program. This is what birth is. Birth is being born. Some urge we have to get into the flood of conditionality, and this is the deepest level of it um, of flooding, which uh, we'll also give more attention to later. I don't want to flood you with too much. Information to begin with. Mm. But just consider, you know, the loss of autonomy, the loss of receptivity, the loss of authenticity. You know, I'm actually not really in touch with what I am. I'm just operating according to a set of instructions. Uh, And therefore, our intentions also get, we go along. Our intentions, our actions get sort of. Oh, well, that's what everybody else does, that's what you're supposed to do, I do that. And we lose that um, sense of decisive, you know, uh, making decisive action, clear action, right action, right speech, right livelihood, not just going along. Now, I always begin a retreat orienting around the refuges and precepts. In some way, the puja. Was an acknowledgement of refuge. What these, what this is, experience is, entering the holy place, entering a sacred place, entering a place of value, uh, timeless. Mm. Uh, ref, the precepts are the orientation of the heart. That is very significant because it goes against the pure re- reactivity that can occur just if we just following sense data, following immediate impact. You know, so immediate impact, the feeling, pleasure, yes, displeasure, no, uh, don't want it. Um, want to get it as fast as possible. Uh, good stuff. Uh, want Also want to escape a lot of the time. I want to be able to escape <laughs> you know, into something that takes me aw- away from being responsible. It could be You know, harmless, apparently harmless, you know, watching TV, watching football, or something like that. Or it could be, uh, you know, escapism, computer games, um, you name it. And then it gets into really serious stuff. You know, get me out of here. Let me be covered, buried in something that stimulates or moves me along. And so when we take take the precepts we're beginning to take some clear orientation to um not just follow the immediate pull of inclination, mm, not to just shy away from discomfort mm, um, and even more important to avoid escaping, to look at this to avoid escaping from honesty, integrity, yeah clarity and so forth and this is a very important orientation obviously ethics is an important orientation for harmonious life in the world you set that up then it helps to determine your actions you're not just going to be following the push of the consumer world and since ethics is very simple You look at five precepts, the eight precepts are not difficult to understand. Um, Not stealing, not lying, not killing doesn't seem that difficult to do. But when we come down to it, you recognise that by and large, even the first precept is not adhered to by the majority of people. Even to refrain from killing another human. Let alone animals, creatures, fish, trees, so forth. So, why is it so difficult? <laughs> because of the flood of sensuality, mm. because of greed, consumerism, uh, irritation, intolerance, fear, mm. Mm. because of karmic habits. Mm karmic perceptions, karmically embedded perceptions, that it doesn't count. That's only one of those. It doesn't count. She's one of those. It doesn't matter. He's one of those. I don't like those. This is karmic accumulations. So when we take the precepts, we're working just by doing that alone. We're putting a kind of a, uh, a stop on the floods, in terms of sense impact, pleasure, pain, gratification, rejection and escapism. And we're also putting a check on uh, the flood of karmic accumulation, biased perceptions um, that have been established in, in a causal realm whereby, you understand, like fishing is okay. Well, ask the fish, <laughs> do they enjoy being... Sport pulled out of the water with a hook in the jaw did you ever look at it like that how could they possibly enjoy that doesn't it bother you that that they don't enjoy that and they don't they don't do it to you you know if you imagine walking along a you know a path and seeing a a nice cake and grabbing hold of it and there's a hook in your jaw and it pulled you <laughs> into the water <laughs> that's what happens to fish you know just going fishing you know like but the, the karmic uh, you know, acquisition is that that's fine. That's a peaceful, tranquil afternoon, if you're not a fish, right. Yeah, you know, it's like uh, it's not being. This is called deep attention. Just look at things fully, cause and effect fully. You know, the results, rather than self-centred. And so ethics establishes the field of mutuality. There's more than just me. It's not just me that counts. It's me and everything else that counts. Yeah. So it all counts. Yeah. That's called mutuality. And once there's mutuality, you've established that respect. What does the heart feel like? when it's in the mode of respect. Yeah, it feels, does that feel good? What's the mode heart feel like when it's in the mode of compassion? I feel good? What does it feel like when it's in a mode of um, sensitivity? Tender heartedness? Feel good? Hmm? Forgiveness. How's that feel? Mm. Mm. So really, in, in uh, cultivating this ethical and mutuality principle deeply, we're freeing ourselves. We're doing ourselves a huge favor. Because all that comes back to the heart, doesn't it? Mm. Mm. But remember this is I voluntarily undertake, I want to. This is autonomous. Right? This is not if you don't do this we're gonna blame you and throw you out and da 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 and you'll be damned forever. No autonomy, respect. Up to you. But consider things wisely, deeply. You count. Your heart counts. And if you really look at this, consider it deeply, and experiment with this and look into it, see, isn't it just feel better, feel clearer, feel stabler, more stable? When I orient around ethics. Less casual, less taken for granted, less dismissive, less intolerant. Um, yeah. And then it's a nice place to be. So Sila leads you into meditation because now you've got something you want to be with. Yeah. And it's amazing how the heart can feel so congested and jammed up. And then, but the heart is a constantly changing territory, it's not an entity. If you start aligning it to things like virtue, it moves out of the territory of regret and guilt and agitation. It starts to, oh, there's this too. We owe it to ourselves to take the heart out of the flood. And it's a determination and practice of that. Um, and, why, and, for, and why? Sila is a Sukhating yanti. Sila is a vehicle for Sukhating. Happiness, accomplishment, fulfillment. Silena Bulga Sampada bhoga treasure sampada completion. Sila is a vehicle of morality, ethics is a vehicle for, for the deep resource of the heart. It's a treasure. Silena Nibutinyanti. It leads to the vehicle for the cooling of anger, passion, Despair, regret, violence, cause. Therefore, a wise person cultivates their sila, their ethics. And when we have the occasion and we do this as a community, yeah, we do this collectively and it's one of the first things we do uh, certainly in monasteries, one of the first things you do when you come in, you sort of want to do that place yourself there, place yourself in the real temple which is the temple of the heart and then you you, you can carry around with you then around everybody else is doing it where you feel very safe and comfortable and nobody's going to do some number on you or take your stuff So, let's go through the form- formality of it, and uh, as I say, when we're, unfortunately, the technology is that uh, you'll only hear my voice, uh, but you can imagine there's another 200-something people right beside you all over the world who are chanting, doing the same thing, and inclining the same way. So. Um, now is the opportunity for someone to request the refuges and the precepts.
1: Mayambante Tisanena Saha Atasilani Yachama Dutyampi Mayambante Tisanena Saha Atasilani Yachama Tatiampi Mayambante Tisane Nasaha Atasilani Yachama
0: So I'll now intone the three refuges and so I'll do this in the Pali language. I'll start with the Namotasa three times in the Pali language and then you come in three times, if you follow what Carol is doing. And uh, and then uh, we'll go through the refuges one at a time. And then the precepts, similarly, I say it in Pali, you say it in Pali, then uh, in, in, in English. And for clarification, you know the, this precept of refraining from eating in the Vikala is the Pali word, which means the, uh, the wrong time. And what's the wrong time? (laughs) Well, generally this is taken as um, when the sun is at midday. But uh, since we're in this kind of interesting global situation, I suggest you determine the time that you stop, you determine in a disciplined way, say that's the end of the eating for the day. And to keep it simple, leave yourself a good 10 or 12 hours without... Eating, you know, it's just deals with things like, uh, you know, picking snacks and munching away for, for escapism basically. Uh, but naturally, you want to get enough to feed your body, but see if you can discipline that to have a definite cut off time. Um, if you can co- make that correspond to 12 o'clock in your place or in Honolulu or <laughs> Nicaragua. <laughs> Wherever you want to decide, you want to be for this retreat. <laughs> okay, so uh, I'll let you consider that wisely. Namu Tassa Bhagavato Arhato Sama Sambodhassa Namu Tassa Bhagavato Arhato Sama Sambodhassa Namu Tassa Bhagavato Arhato Sama Sambodhassa
1: Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. Nammo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. Nammo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa.
0: Budhang Saranam Kichahami.
1: Putang Sarananga Chami.
0: Dummong Saranam Kichahami.
1: Dummong Sarananga Chami.
0: Sangong Saranam Kichahami.
1: Sangang Sarananga
0: Chami. Saranam Kichahami
1: ctiyam putang saranam gacchami ctiyam
0: bhiddham saranam gacchami
1: ctiyam bhiddham saranam gacchami
0: ctiyam bhisangam saranam gacchami
1: ctiyam
0: bhisangam saranam gacchami
1: Tatiampi putang, Sarananga charmi,
0: Tiampi dumbung, Selenunga charmi,
1: Tatiampi dumbung, Sarananga charmi, Tiampi
0: sungungung, Selenunga charmi,
1: Tatiampi sungungung, Sarananga charmi,
0: Jason the Gamanangi tongue,
1: Ama Bante.
0: Pana Tipata Vira Mani Sigapadang Samadhyami.
1: Panatipata Verabmani Sikapadang Samadiyami. I undertake the precept to refrain from taking the life of any living creature.
0: Adinadana Veramani Sigapadang Samadyami.
1: A dana we sikapadang samadhiyami. I undertake the precept to refrain from taking that which is not given.
0: Abrahmacharya we ramani sikapadang samadhiyami. Abrahmacharya we
1: sikapadang samadhiyami. I undertake the precept to refrain from any intentional sexual activity.
0: Wat savada veramane sikhapada samadhiyami.
1: Mu savada veramane sikhapada samadhiyami. I undertake the precept to refrain from lying.
0: Sura meraya maja pamatatana, whereup money sika padang samadhyami.
1: Sura meraya maja pamatatana, whereup money sika padang samadhyami. I undertake the precept to refrain from consuming intoxicating drink and drugs which lead to carelessness.
0: We kala bojana we ra mani sika padang
1: We Bojana We money Sika Padang Samadiami I undertake the precept to refrain from eating at inappropriate times
0: Natagita Ditu Visukasana Malaganda. Vilepana Dharana Mandana Vibusanatana Werab Mani Sikapatang Samadiami
1: Nachagita Wadita Visukadasana Mala Ganda Vilepana Dharana Mandana Vibusanathana Werabani. Sikapadang samadhiyami. I undertake the precept to refrain from entertainment, beautification, and adornment.
0: Ucha sayana maha sayana. We're sika padang samadhiyami.
1: Ucha sayana maha sayana. we Mani sika padang. Samadiami I undertake the precept to refrain from lying on a high or luxurious sleeping place.
0: Imaniata sika padani samadhyami.
1: Imaniata sika padani samadi imaniata sika padani samadyami. Imaniata Sikha padani samadiyami.
0: Imaniata Sikha padani. Silena sugating Silena boga Sampada Silena nibuting yanti. Tassama silang we Sadhu
1: Sadu sadu sadu. Then we'll bow three times.
0: So these are measures against or flagging the movements of uh, gratification, um, using other creatures for fun, destroying their lives either out of malice or out of indifference or just for pleasure, which people do. Mm -hmm. Obviously uh, taking things which are not given out of malice, gratification. Or just because it's fun, escapism. Um, Sexually using people, either out of malice, or for gratification, or just because it's fun, (laughs) and so on. (laughs) Uh, And we get to speech. Actually, the the fourth precept of speech is um, somewhat more evolved than just this telling lies. It's also to do with um, gossiping, st- the impish delight one has in stabbing people <laughs> behind their back. <laughs> so people enjoy having a, a little bit of a you know, poke somebody. There's yeah. Yeah. a strange, strange uh, uh, gratification Mm. Yeah. Gossiping, slandering, cursing, getting, because the speech acts as an emotional uh, release, we express the emotion, and also we even feel we have a right to express our emotions. I, I'm allowed to express my emotions. I'm a free person. You know, I want to be free to express my emotions. Yeah, okay, but could you just do it somewhere else? <laughs> Do I have to receive them all? <laughs> I guess it's kind of those, one of the uh, absurdities of uh, the cult of the individual. <laughs> you know, my truth—it doesn't matter what you think. This is my truth. This is my. There's no such thing as my freedom. My freedom is is not. It's it's a, it's a. There's our, our release from these grips of passion. If it's my freedom, it surely means it's somebody else's problem. <laughs> Yeah. And so we then look at how speech can be just the dumping and uh, teasing and blaming and stereotyping and abusing and venting of emotions that you should deal with yourself. you know express your feelings well express them to yourself. You're the one who's <laughs> happening to you listen to them <laughs> work with them <laughs> yeah and if you want my help, that's fine, but let's do it in a very careful and clear way. You know. Yeah. Mm. So this uh, this is a very this quite a key precept because this one speech precept plugs straight into the thinking mind. It's it's the way the thinking mind operates. So once you get that one, you've got a very good way of putting a handbrake on some crazy thoughts or even contemplating them and saying, "Woo, where's that one coming from?" Woo. Let's have a look into that. You know, so, because thinking and speaking are pretty much the same thing. And because speech is just gone, you know, we think it doesn't count. Just said it's gone. Well, you know, but of course it isn't gone because you heard it. You're the one who said it, you heard it. So, the results are sitting right there. And if you said it to somebody else, they heard it. And their results are sitting right there. So, it's not gone. And one should be very careful about what one is saying because of that the power of it and even what you're thinking so just carelessly fantasizing or you know we have these urges gratification urges escapist urges malice yeah okay but let's really look into that because these are where the floods hit the surface and start becoming actions where the undercurrents of our accumulated floods of dispositions and karma hits the surface and starts spilling out into action through thought and speech, and then you've really got some more business to do to mop it all up. So really useful to talk about things that, you uh, know, in, in a careful way, that are necessary, um, properly comforting confidentialities. Negotiated, not just blabbing, but is this the right time, the right place, um, and not just being a broadcaster, but also I say something. Let me tell me how did that sound? You know, we're better broadcasters than receivers, most of us. So you want to also say something? How's that? How are you can learn otherwise? You know, how are you going to learn? You should get something back. You, know, do you listen to your own story all the time you want to get something back. If you're going to talk, you should be someone who uses their ears as much as their mouth, like chanting. And then you ah, oh, how does that sound? Get some feedback on it. This is skillful speech. And then we begin to recognise what's, what's pushing, what the floods are, because a lot of these floods are not even really noticed. We are like fish flushed along in the stream, so much in it you don't even notice the water. Because you're in that current, so these precepts tend to put some some markers down where you can, hey, find yourself being restrained by something, by a precept, and you take that step. Um, As I said, escapism is a big uh, part of how we how we get flooded, and uh, you know, so alcohol, apart from anything else you know too much about almost certainly there's going to be bad speech criminality sexual abuse violence you know it's 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 you know it's it's, sort of, it's right it's linked together um uh, sorry but then even just a little bit it's like well, what what for uh, um, you know what for what's the you know so you and clearly entertainment beautification adornment and so forth what Aren't you beautiful already? <laughs> so if one abides in the sphere of loving kindness, then it's it's, everything is beautiful. People are beautiful. You live in the sphere of the beautiful. So you don't need beautification. But of course, it's, the issue is that people escape from their own skin, from what they look like what they fear they look like or what they escape into something that they imagine is more interesting or desirable than living something that's not true Then, of course the final escape is get the head under the pillow get the blankets, get the duvet, get the quilt over, enough of the day and so we try to exercise uh, uh why is attention over our our tendency to to, to um, you know doze off and loll. And, uh, you know. Now you know, but remember this is these are why. So it's not like you've got to sleep on a bed of nails or a plank or something. Or you know, but uh, you're looking at the the intentions and the attitudes uh, that that can go along with these these. Uh, precepts and how you're checking them and this alone is a tremendous help um, in um, crossing getting out of the floods. The Buddha said this is this is uh, through cultivating this one crosses one is a flood crosser and it's then it's really refining it so you're really looking into how the mind operates and the gratification impulse the malicious dismissive doesn't matter so what? It's yeah, his problem that impulse and once again the last delusion is the last one the escapism yeah, which seems so I'm just going to watch some movies what's the problem well because if you're in a movie are you present in your body you know, I'm aware of the movie, but are you aware of what's happening in your own heart or are you aware of what the movie's doing to you? you know, so you're escaping from the realities of your own of heart, which have to be cleared and will you get the best result? Mm-hmm. So that's the, the ending of escape. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one can actually escape from the flood. The Buddha said, yeah, there is an escape. I teach the escape. But the escape is not escapism, escapism takes you into the flood, the escape of liberation takes you out of it and this is a training and a path. Mm. So let's take a few minutes, why well, you take five or six minutes or so just to freshen up and then we can go through some uh, meditation together um, uh, to establish some primary meditation practice. So um, take five minutes to flex your legs, um, freshen up, take a breath and I'll get back in five minutes time.